0: researcher revealed. On today's episode, we are out in the wild. So you might hear a little extra background noise. Uh, And we're here at the British Association for Nurses and Cardiovascular Care Conference. I've managed to secure a little bit of Professor Ian Jones time, and he's going to join me to tell me a little bit more about what he does, his role and what led him into research. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to today's Researcher Revealed. Today we have with us Professor Ian um, and he's gonna talk to us all about his journey as a nurse researcher. But as you know, before we get to that, first we get to know you a little bit better. So I'm gonna ask you 10 rapid fire, or 11 rapid fire questions. Just tell me, um, (laughs) just tell me the first thing that pops into your head, okay? Yeah. Um, Are you a Windows or Mac? Uh, Windows. Uh, Tea or coffee? Lisa, uh, Dr. Cockpit. Ooh, interesting. When you're writing, music or silence?
1: Silence.
0: Okay. Where do you work? Uh,
1: Liverpool, John Moores University.
0: And is that where you work all the time? Or do you ever work remotely? Uh,
1: I work remotely, I work from home, and I sometimes work in the
0: NHS. So well. everywhere? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Excellent. And what time of day is your most productive?
1: Uh, first thing in the morning.
0: Okay. Um, and what's your favourite referencing manager?
1: Ooh. Oh. I'm quite old school.
0: Oh, yeah. controversial. Yeah, 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 quite old school. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about when it comes to data visualization? What do you use to... Again, old school. Old school?
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I it just tend, tend not to use too much tech in when, whether it's due to analysis or whether it's writing tend to be quite old school in that respect,
0: yeah. Nice. Um, Favourite desk snack?
1: Oh, um I tend to eat a banana first thing in the morning because Mm. when I get up, I'm not ready for my breakfast, but I'm I'm still hungry, so a banana usually does the trick.
0: Perfect. Thank you. When you're planning or organizing, I'm going to guess I know the answer to this one, are you digital or analog? Um, Analog being paper. Yeah,
1: no, I I, I am actually uh, quite technologically sound in most things, mm. um, so I will use digital. Um, I'm very much a spreadsheet type of person, so I mm. use Excel a lot for planning my day, planning my week, so I have a, a spreadsheet where yellow is for everything that has to be done today, blue for everything this week, and red for the longer term.
0: Love it! Never thought of using Excel as an organizer. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What book are you currently reading?
1: Oh, um, it's uh, Backbone of the Nation and it's actually about the miners' strike in the 1980s. Oh, uh,
0: interesting. It comes from a strong
1: Welsh mining community.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah. And last question is, who is a researcher that you admire? Um,
1: I think that the, the two people that were actually my PhD um, supervisors, uh, Martin Johnson, who has recently passed away, uh, was one of the most inspirational people um, that you'll ever meet. Um, very moral, very, taught me how to be a better person, not just a researcher. Um, And then David Thompson, who most cardiac nurses will know Dave, who's uh, uh, sort of the the godfather of cardiovascular nursing. And uh, so a PhD supervisor, but also a mentor for many years after.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Um, Perfect. So without any further ado, like I've said to you, Before we started the camera, this podcast researcher revealed is all about trying to get to know the person that's behind the research. So to turn it from being you read a paper by I. Jones, Mm -hmm. people know you a little bit more. So tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're in research. Okay.
1: Um, So who I am, um, I come from a mentioned earlier. I come from a very strong Welsh mining community, and that gave me, I suppose, my roots. Looking at inequalities in health, uh, I'm very passionate to ensure that we serve all the community and not just certain certain elements of the community. Um, I left home at 18 to travel to Walsall in the West Midlands, uh, near Birmingham, to do my what, what was nurse training in those days. Traveled all around the UK, working as a staff nurse, charge nurse, nurse manager, um, various coronary care units, cardiac rehab, etc. And ended up in Salford in Greater Manchester, where okay. I did my uh, sort of my grounding in education, um, and wanted to know more and more. So one of the things I'd say is that I'm extremely inquisitive, extremely mm. nosy. Want to know how things work. The kind of the child that took apart the watch just to find out what the components were. <laughs> Wasn't very good at putting them back together, again, yeah, but certainly took it all apart with a better idea of how it. how it all worked. <laughs> Um, So uh, uh, (laughs) that's where my research came from. My research Uh, ideas: why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Uh, um, And then started doing some research, then a PhD, and then uh, more and more research after that. And uh, uh, when we think that ninety percent of our ninety percent of care is delivered by nurses, but we have very little evidence to support much Mm. of what we do, and I saw much of what my great friends and colleagues, people like Linda Blue's work in heart failure, Jane Corn's work in thrombolysis nursing, all these really key people that dramatically changed how cardiovascular nursing progressed, Dave Thompson in cardiac rehab. So all these kind of people made a real impact on me and I wanted to, I wanted to emulate them and, uh, and ultimately wanted to try and take things forward again. My job is now, as, sort of as I'm sort of mid-50s, is to make sure not only do I carry on what I'm doing, but to make sure I can support the next generation that are coming through in the same way other people supported
0: me. That's brilliant. Thank you. It's quite packed in there. So at the minute, what is your role? Because we've already talked about how you basically work everywhere, home, the university, NHS. So what is your formal role at the minute?
1: Okay, so my um, Professor of Cardiovascular Nursing at mm-hmm. John Moores University in Liverpool. Um, I'm also the lead for the Liverpool Centre for Cardiovascular Science in um, John Moores, the the centre is a uh, multi-centre, multi-stakeholder centre, so it has the University of Liverpool, ourselves, um, and pretty much all the NHS uh, organisations in the city region, and my role is to coordinate and manage some of that activity in the university.
0: Okay, perfect, thank you. So, inquisitive? Professor, teacher, work in the NHS, tell me about the research bit.
1: Um, I suppose I'm quite eclectic in the research. I I don't take my own advice, really. I say to people that you should really be focused on what you do, but any research that interests me that I think can make a difference to patients or to people, then if nobody else is doing it, then I'll say, OK, why why is nobody doing it? Let's do it. Um, So it ranges from everything from we've put sensors into shopping trolleys, and identify people in atrial fibrillation when they push the trolley around the store to um, looking at clinical decision making in the coronary K unit to looking at why do certain patients not attend cardiac rehab and if they do attend why do they not uh, stick to the, the, the plan and why do they leave halfway through um, so we developed or rather we're in the process of developing a new model of cardiac rehab for, for different groups we've done cardiovascular screening in the community, we've done uh, other AF type studies so um, We're doing stroke studies where we're looking at AF after a stroke to see because we know that people who have AF after a stroke tend to, if they have a second stroke, tend to do much worse using um, bands. So anything that I think that's actually got the potential to improve patient care, and nobody else is doing it, then okay, let's just do it then. So it's quite eclectic Uh, there's no plan i think that's probably i say to people i think people all the time have a plan let's get to the plan i'm I'm probably my my own worst advert for just let's just do it if it interests me
0: Oh, it makes me feel so much better because i am similarly i'm much earlier in my journey than you are but i very similarly tend to be slightly eclectic but i think even in your eclecticness as you're speaking one of the things that i keep hearing is that you're in a way within your research and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like what you're trying to do is instead of get patients to mold to our existing system, you're trying to investigate and learn research how how can we get our system to go to patients. Is that is that correct?
1: We often talk about hard-to-reach groups, and and my my mantra is they're not hard to reach, we're hard to access.
0: Oh, I love that. It's so true. So,
1: in effect, we set up these services, and then we expect people to just fit into the services. And that's very often, that's very difficult, we've been joined by one or two people, I think, on the <laughs> trolleys. So, uh, uh, we'll the trolley a minute.
0: It's, a,
1: it's, not, it's not a shopping trolley, it's, no sense in it. it's a tea
0: trolley. I um, didn't say it's part of the fun of yeah. doing this in the wild, is, unfortunately, yeah. the lights are going to go off and, and we'll, on, we'll, we'll. people are going to go by.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's part of outside the old
0: Part no, of the blog experience.
1: Never, never work with animals, children, or,
0: or, 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 <laughs> or members of the public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: but, anyway. But ultimately, as you say, the, oh. the, we design these services, be, uh, the professionals design services, mm. um, and then we just expect people to fit within them. The, the, what we have to be better at doing is uh, one co production of services, so people mm. have much more of an in, uh, input into how we deliver services but also we, we need to stop thinking of people as being this one homogenous group
0: mm. that what
1: fits for one fits for all and we know that's not the case yeah. so some of the work that we've done by uh, taking cardiovascular screening into the community working mm. with for example Liverpool Football Club in, 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 obviously in Liverpool um, where some people will not engage with, with, a, uh, with authority um, because they don't trust us and therefore we have to look at ways of breaking down those barriers uh, one of the ways that we can do that, if we talk with Liverpool Football Club, we often talk about the power of the badge and how that badge can get us into places that maybe the is uh, going back to, um, <laughs> where where maybe we wouldn't get in on our own. So if I walk in in a charged nursing uniform, for example, then um, there might be some uh, some mistrust there. So um, so the power of the badge allows us to get into those areas. And then once we've developed those, and some people have then vouched for us given the you know uh, as gatekeepers allowed us to go into those areas, then we can develop those relationships, then we can start to have an impact. And we've we've done the same with the South Asian community, is that we need gatekeepers in those communities Mm -hmm. to help us to access when we're in there, when when people start to trust us, then we start to understand um, a little bit more about what their needs are. I don't necessarily know what their needs are, I'm a white now middle class man. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that lived experience that they have, mm-hmm. I need to go in and, and listen to them and try and find out what it is that they need and then help them uh, working in, in a co-production or collaboration to try and come up with something that works for them and not just for me.
0: That's intriguing, so it's interesting that you find that even within the nursing profession because you read papers and you hear that, I mean until probably recently in the UK with all the furacas around nursing. Um, that nurses are the most trusted profession but do you found that actually you're better off to go through a gatekeeper what do you mean by that term a, a a gatekeeper is gatekeeper.
1: going to give us access to that community okay. um, so you're absolutely you're right the year on year nurses are, are the most trusted profession um, and I think and, and I don't want to, to, um, to deprive from that at all because I think that we are trusted but ultimately as a professor of nursing i am i'm not the staff nurse on the ward or the district nurse i'm actually somebody that's coming in and i deliberately won't wear i've got a seat on today because we're at a conference but i will turn up in jeans and a t-shirt actually that's what i wear normally jeans <laughs> and a t-shirt uh, yeah so um, so i will turn up but i we need people in the different communities to say to them it's okay to do that one of the reasons for that i'll give you an example okay. just to um, elaborate on that is that when we started to work in some of the communities in Liverpool, one of the things that, that we were accused of um, was, well, you'll come in, you'll take all what you need, and then you'll disappear and mm. nothing will change. Mm. So what we've had to do and what we wanted to do is to say, no, we're coming in, but this is a long-term relationship. So we're coming in, we want to work with you, we want you to help you to improve the, the health of your community, but we're not going away, we're not going anywhere, and we will be bringing some student nurses with us and they will have a better understanding of what it's like to live in this community and we, so that the, when the patients are under our care, they have a much better understanding of the, the challenges that some people are facing in their lives. And so that's not just Liverpool, that's all areas that I've worked in. Um, it's ensuring that we, we we understand the community that we serve and we work with them. i just let that trolley go past again. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a train, actually. It's getting louder and louder. Used to
0: say every time it goes by, it's a yeah, little louder. It is,
1: yeah. But. They're trying to tell us something. Um, But ultimately, when we're working within communities, it's about, uh, I I call it drive-by research, where you go in, you do the research, you disappear, you never go back until you want to do more research again. I see. And what I'm trying to do within, and and it's working very well, because the people in Liverpool are amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, um, But we're going in and we're saying, we want to work with you for the long term. And now those relationships build, they don't call me Professor. um, Some people will say Professor Ian or whatever, but different meetings. But it's Ian, and I know them by the first name. So when you break down those barriers and you develop those relationships, then we can achieve more together and ultimately Mm. the the community can benefit. We can then use, of course, we can use the research and the evidence from that to inform other areas of the country and ultimately we're aiming to generalise from that. But in the short term it's about trying to serve that community. I keep Mm. using that word, serve the community, because ultimately Mm. the the community that I come from in South Wales um, has got equal challenges to to other um, parts of the country. But it's uh, some of the um, inequalities and the underinvestment I've seen in those areas, certainly uh, after, in in Wales, it's after the mining um, communities were destroyed um, in the 80s. But we're now dealing with some of the the legacy of that. And I want to try and and people like me want to try and go in and support that. But it takes time. It takes Mm. relationships.
0: I find that a fascinating model because I think um, where I'm at at the beginning of my career, trying to reach out and to be more inclusive and, and rather than expect patients to come to us to match us, is actually what, what are the things that they find interesting, what are the things that they're struggling with and how can we, we bring health and better health to them. And so I'd actually argue then is despite the fact that your research on the surface of things being cardiac rehab or arrhythmia or you know all of the other things that you listed i would argue that your research actually is all about the same thing
1: it, well it, it's about engagement in the community and supporting that community what, what when you look at mm. the improving the health of a community um, I can't look at it purely from a cardiovascular point of view because ultimately w- the risk factors are the same for cancer as they are for cardiovascular disease, as they are for mm-hmm. diabetes. But also we, we need to stop thinking of it purely from a healthcare point of view. So if you live in a community mm-hmm. where you're, um, you're, you don't have access to uh, areas for children to play or okay. there's high levels of pollution or there's, uh, if you, there's, a, there's Lisa Nandy who is um, the local MP for Wigan uh, wrote a book that I read recently and one of the things she talks about is that if you don't have appropriate trans- transport infrastructure it means that you can't get to the, to the decent jobs. So what then happens is people move to the cities because they need to be there to be able to work yeah. and you've actually taken the income out of that town. So the cities mm-hmm. are progressing and developing but the towns are then struggling. So what I want to look at is can we start to think in a, in a, in a, in a, on a macro scale? of what do we need to think about health, and it's the wider determinants of health that we've known for many, many years, yep. but we are, we are still in isolation as healthcare mm. researchers. We are still thinking about, well, I need to help somebody reduce their cardiovascular risk factors. Well, actually, some of those things are, are, are on, the, on the scale of things. They're way down here, but actually one thing they're worried about is their housing or their, mm. their children going to school or the safety and all these different things that need to be factored in it's only when we start to think about health of communities mm-hmm. rather than individual disease processes then we start to think about, well, how do we do that as a society, mm-hmm. not individual researchers. What my job is to try and generate some of the evidence to support that potential change on a macro scale by providing local-level research or, or national research.
0: So, from a research perspective, how do you do that? Because, like... When I'm writing a protocol, um, and even in my PhD, one of the biggest things that I battled with and struggled with was the huge level of complexity that my project just seemed to inherit for some odd reason. And it was looking at a single population, it was looking at burden of treatment, and it was looking at how patients are managing their illness. So it wasn't actually as complex as what you're, you're proposing. So when you're thinking about developing a research study, how do you do that with that high level of complexity?
1: I think with any, with any smaller research study, and I don't mean that because in in I've done a PhD myself, and in the grand scheme of things, it's massive at the time, <laughs> but it's small in the grand scheme of yeah. how much research is going on. So you, you cannot do all that I'm saying as, as an individual um, so what you're, what you're trying to do is to generate some evidence to support the next stage. Uh, so if you're okay. able to work within a community and you're demonstrating, and if you do this, you get these potential benefits to that, yeah. you can then start to chip away at some of the other things, some of the policy initiatives. Okay. That. So you can work with local councils to say, you know, do you, are you aware that the, you know, this is the prevalence of disease in these areas? I know that there's, there's lots of local level data available, uh, but very often, um, much of the disease is um, is undiscovered so we know mm. that roughly 300,000 people have AF that's undiagnosed for example we know that hypertension is one of the big, well, probably the biggest contributor yeah. to disease but m- much of that is undiagnosed so what we can do is to start to um, illuminate some of these things and then start to work on the wider policy initiatives to start to say well if we know for example that um, uh, air pollution is now becoming more and more of a factor well that's why Obviously in London they start to look at ULES zones and and Mm. so on, as complicated and as controversial as that is, from a public health perspective, it is something we need to consider. But you can't, as an individual researcher, you can't do that in isolation. Mm. What you can do is you build the body of knowledge and then you you are working with other people and you are working on a, uh, sometimes on a global scale, desperately trying to address some of these issues. But it is, you you have to chip away at it rather than, because otherwise if you try and design a study for all these different things, it's multi-million pounds. I'd love to do the work, but it's it's multi-million pounds and at the moment I don't think there's the political will to do that. Um, What we have to do is to generate the evidence to to push that uh, envelope and say we need to do this because people are actually dying and we could prevent some of these deaths. Interestingly in Amsterdam recently the European Society of Cardiology they were looking at the, um, the, the prevalence of cardiovascular disease and it's actually plateauing and it could even be going back up again um, because we're, we're now seeing that whilst um, smoking is, is uh, Uh, reduced. Obesity is increasing Mm. and diabetes is increasing. So we could actually be on the peak uh, or rather uh, on the plateau and going back up again. So we still haven't cracked it Mm. because whilst we deal with one area, there are still many of those other determinants of health that are impacting. So it's like sticking your finger in the dike. (laughs) Um, If you do it for so long, you can end up with something else going over there somewhere. So we've got to have a holistic approach to uh, to healthcare.
0: I really like that because I think, you know, for people who are at an earlier stage, and I think even people at a bigger stage, it's that you're not doing it by yourself. It's that wider team and it's about... You do this little piece, Um, but something that you said that I really liked, and I think it cycles back to what you said about you're trying to build research that's a long-term relationship within the communities, is that you then partner with policymakers, with community people, with the actual people of interest, with leadership, and all of that, all of those other components. and I really like that, and that's probably, from my point of view, one of the better definitions, and again, mm-hmm. if I'm, I've gone off track here, please correct me, of impact.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because what you're describing is actually public health. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so in nursing, we're sitting over here with, with many of us coming from an acute background and seeing the end stage, and when people ask me about, well, why are you doing all this work? And I said, I've spent 30 years defibrillating people. Um, mm. You know, you get to a point where you think, okay, we need to do something more on this. Um, and it's, it's actually having that public health model that I'm not, you know, I don't come from a public health background. There may be people watching this that were saying, you know, well, you know, we've been doing this for years and they have. Um, but it's actually what, we, what I can do is, and, and as professor of nursing, I can actually start to put more weight behind some of those public mm. health professionals to help them because mm. they, have, they have the skills already. Mm. I can actually say, well, I'll put a whole group of nurses behind you as well and student nurses behind you to help you to get to where you need to be because actually you've been doing it right all along. Yeah. We've been focusing on the acute manner, which is, which is important, we, wrong? we need to stop people dying. Yeah. Um, but actually, if that's all we focus on and we don't invest in public mm. health, then we end up with what, well, what we've had for the last
0: 70 years in the NHS. So again, it's that multifaceted, and it's it's very interesting, because I've started thinking the same way. Like, I fell in love with research within a more rehabilitation community setting, mm-hmm. uh, but then I was like, oh, no, 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 I've got to go more acute, I've got to get where it's good and exciting. I've yeah. done that, I've done research in that, and now with my PhD, I'm kind of thinking similar to what you're saying, actually. It's bigger, it's about that community engagement. Yeah. Very quickly because I'm conscious of the time and like you said we are at a conference and you are due to speak yes. um, for everybody who might be listening to this, what advice would you give them around why they as nurses or physios or somebody who's in the clinical setting, why should they look at getting involved in research? Okay.
1: Um, it goes back to the point of we are delivering care on a daily basis. How much of that care are we Mm. sure actually Mm. has evidence to understand it? So if I'm about to give a drug, I'm pretty confident that there's a number of randomized controlled trials and a meta-analysis attached to those that are telling me that this drug works. But I could be doing something for a patient that I've done for 10 years, and I'm doing it because somebody told me that's what we do. Mm. Um, And we we need to, to progress from that Mm. We need to ensure that we have evidence to support our practice, whether that's physio-nursing interdisciplinary, it's ensuring that we've got the evidence to support our practice. Um, Because we could be harming people without knowing, and and ultimately that's, you know, we're we're better than that, Um, Mm. and we we need to be better than that for the future.
0: I I absolutely love that, and I think it's so true, like so much of research is so medically driven, Mm -hmm. and it's all about the drug, or it's all about the device, Mm. and Medicine and health is so much bigger than that. So
1: Sorry, even, even with the medicine, I presented a couple of years ago a conference where I said that I've been working with the South Asian community and uh, many cardiologists in, in the, uh, the audience. I've been working with the South Asian community and one patient said to me when I was interviewing them that I don't know which ones of my drugs are halal so I don't take any of them <gasps> so we've got all these oh, drugs wow. that are evidence-based but actually if people don't take them if they sit in the cupboard they have no benefit on yep. their blood pressure or their heart yep. or whatever so it's only by working with people and understanding their needs that we actually are we likely to see the outcomes that we see in randomized controlled trials mm. that we're likely to see in clinical practice so it is about that shared decision-making, it is about that mm. negotiation, whether that's at a, a micro level with patients or whether it's a macro level with society. Mm.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that, that just ties everything together really, really well. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I definitely might have to hit you up for a little bit of a longer session because I feel like we've gone, like, really, really quickly. Um, But being at a conference, I wanted to just take the opportunity to do this in person instead of through a screen. So thank you very much for joining me today. And um, good luck at your presentation later. All right, thank you. Thank you. Don't go away. Up next, we have the top three takeaways from this week's podcast by Dr. Rosalyn Austin. Wow, that was exciting. Lots of trolleys going by, lights going on and off. Um, The video didn't come out, but hopefully the audio will be okay, because it was a really interesting conversation um, with Professor Ian Jones as I squeezed between one meeting and his presentation that he has later today. Um, My top three takeaways from that conversation with him I loved his revolutionary idea around taking health and research to the people. You know, as clinicians, we are always having patients come to us, and yes, that's more convenient, but I think some of his ideas and some of his work that you can find out and read about in the desc- in the description below, he's a really strong advocate about doing research with the community and in the community as part of an ongoing long-term relationship aimed at improving health overall. And I really liked that idea. My second takeaway leads on from that is his passion about building and embedding research within the community so that research becomes just as much a part of a community as a GP surgery, a football pitch, or whatever, and that he's recognized as a leader in that community as somebody who, you know, might be interested in a problem that you have and could come up with a research study to try and better answer or solve a problem. And I think that's a really unique model, and I'm very grateful to hear more about it from him. My final takeaway is something that is near and dear to my heart because. I seem to get into a lot of complexity in my own research is his reminder to us that we don't have to build in all the complexities and all the nuances that health has in a single research project. That actually it's about chipping away at a bigger problem and slowly building the evidence around that problem so that when we can put all of those different puzzle pieces together and we can work with our community, we can work with policy makers, we can work with charity groups, and we bring their evidence together too so that we can then change health within our communities. And I, I loved that idea and the freedom that comes from that idea that you don't have to put it all into a single research project. That's definitely something I'm going to take away and put into play in my own my own research proposals. So that was it for this very first Researcher Revealed in the Wild. Um, let me know in the comments if you liked it, if you want to see more of it, because I do go to quite a lot of conferences and they tend to be quite busy, so I can see if who I can manage to corner and get a little bit of their time. Um, Don't also forget to like and subscribe to this because that really helps me grow this channel which will hopefully eventually make it so that I reach a 1,000 subscribers and um, yeah, I'm able to do this more and share more research stories with you. Thank you so much and I will see you again soon.